There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Couple of them to bring you news of in the Premier League. Let's start with Danny Norton's Liverpool. Yes, I can tell you Liverpool have taken the lead in rather controversial circumstances, let it be said. It's because Danny Ings claimed a penalty for Southampton just a matter of seconds before Alex Oxlade Chamberlain fired the home team into the lead. So Danny Ings danced into the box, took the ball around uh, Fabinho. Fabinho did get a little clip on the ball, but then it deflected off Danny Ings, who took the ball forward further on into the box. And then there was a dangling leg from the Brazilian midfielder over which Danny Ings fell. Oddment to say maybe he fell a little bit too easily, but there was certainly contact on that one. Referee played it, played on. Liverpool countered down to the other end. Andy Robertson did tremendously well to keep the ball in back heel as the ball looked to be going out of play to Bobby Firmino, who played the ball to Oxlade Chamberlain on the left hand side. He cut in and brought brought the shot into the near post to give Liverpool the advantage there. I think VAR took a look at it but didn't decided that there wasn't enough contact for Danny Ings, but I can certainly understand his complaints on that one. But as I say, Liverpool 1-0 up at the, mo- at the start of the second half here. Matt Fortune's keeping an eye on what's happening at the London Stadium. Indeed I am, Tom, and it's bad news for the Hammers because Brighton have emerged after what was a very, very disappointing first half from their perspective. Second best all over the field to a West Ham side that really, in a game like this, should have been there for the taking confidence at an all-time low. Well, probably not an all-time low, but pretty punishingly low yeah, for West Ham at the moment. Fair. Especially there, I would suggest that playing at home is probably least enjoyable out of the two for West Ham. But they yep. started well. They went 2-0 up at the break, but within two minutes of the second half starting, Angelo Ogbonna has put through his own net and Brighton have a foothold now. It's 2-1. Going to keep an eye on that one for you. Uh, goals are flying in the Bundesliga at the moment. Absolutely flying in uh, over there. So we'll try and keep on top of those for you. Uh, still playing uh, down in Cardiff. Uh, and it is Wales who are completely in control against Italy in their opener in the Six Nations. In fact, they've just gone over yet again uh, for another try. It's currently uh, 35-0 with George North, who's currently playing in the in the centres. Uh, so North in the centres for the first time uh, under Wayne Pivak. He's uh, gone over for his second of the game uh, Wales leading Italy by 35 points is that is that something we're going to see a lot of Tom in the Six Nations George North shifting in there or is it an injury coverage that he's doing it for I us? think the problem they've got that was a nice problem to have uh, for Wales they've just got so much uh, they've got so much uh, potential out wide they've got so many options out wide uh, with their fast men and things like that it's like how do you incorporate all the talent you've got into that back division uh, with Lee Highpenny as well coming back into contention at full back as well uh, and as I say that Dan you've got another one yeah absolutely so Adams gets his uh, try hat trick for the day to uh, uh, give Wales a 40 nothing lead as well this is in the last minute of the game so that's only made a dart out defence for Italy but Wales won it back big George North charging towards the line as the Italian defenders scrambled to cover he recycled it Adams grabbed it and finished brilliantly there for his third try of the day Right, let's just break away from the uh, football uh, and the rugby very quickly. Why? Because I don't want to get through three hours of chat on a night like this without mentioning the Australian Open, where the women's final a little earlier on today, uh, Wales have just won against Italy. So full time down there in Cardiff. Get ready for Scotland against Ireland shortly. Uh, but uh, a new star has been born onto the women's tennis game. Uh, it was a fascinating final uh, between um, two 
two uh, players who weren't really fancied for it at the beginning of the tournament. Both came through, though. Sophia Kinnan taking on Garbi Magarutha uh, in the women's final at the Aussie Open. This is how it penned out over the three sets. the other day against Ash Barty. Not this time. Mugarotha is first on the board. She's not really owning her serve tonight. Huge difference. It's such a fancy Twenty-one-year-old. She's got the momentum on her side. The crowd stands at Rod Laver Arena. From the moment she was a little girl, Sophia Cannon believed that this may be her destiny. And on this Saturday night in Melbourne in 2020, she joins the greats. So uh, that was the story a little earlier on today. Just want to play you a little clip. You got that clip, Benj, of uh, Sophia Kennan at seven years old. Okay, so mass- fascinating story, this, Sophia Kennan. Her father uh, started, well, realised that his daughter was fairly talented. So they moved out of Russia, because she's born in Russia. Uh, they moved out of Russia, moved to the United States to progress her career. Apparently, she was beating him when she was you know, three years old or something stupid like that. Anyway, um, one of these weird ones has been unearthed, this little video. I just want to play you a little clip of it, of her at a tennis academy in the United States at seven years old. Given the fact of what she achieved a little earlier on today at the Australian Open, just have a little listen to a seven-year-old Sophia Kennan talking to an American broadcaster. At age seven, it is hard to guarantee who is going to be a champion. However, Rick Macy coach Sonia Kennan appears to have what is needed to get to the top. Why do you want to be a tennis pro? Um, because I want to be a champion and I want to be number one in the world. I like the way you hit the ball. You always get the ball back. How do you do that? I prepare early and... And then I tried to let the ball come forward and that I could hit the ball to somebody. How much are you practicing? How long are you on the tennis court every day? Three hours. Three hours every day. Do you know other tennis pros? Do you have a favorite tennis pro? Who is it? Andy Roddick. Oh, do you know Andy Roddick? Yeah. How do you know Andy Roddick? Because I saw someone was standing over there when he was serving, when somebody was returning his serve. Would you like to play with Andy Roddick someday? Yeah. Do you think you could ever return Andy Roddick's serve? 
Yes. How? If I split and I prepare early and when I do short back swing. A split, prepare early, short back swing. You've had some coaching, haven't you? Who's your coach? My dad. Your dad. Anybody? Your dad's a good coach. Anybody else coach you? Rick Macy. Oh, Rick Macy, the big M. So you've got good coaches, girl. Good coaches, fast feet. You are going someplace, little rising star, Sonia. Good to see you. Well, you are a veteran at age 17. You played three U.S. Open juniors. Uh, we'll get back to uh, Sonia Kenin, as he was calling her. Didn't even know her name. She's Sophia Kenin. We'll get on to her in a few moments' time. Uh, Matt Fortune's been watching uh, another goal, though, London Stadium. Indeed, I have, and it's a second goal of the day for Robert Snodgrass. We're just checking to see who got the deflection. He's certainly claiming it. He's the one kicking the corner flag as he puts West Ham 3-1 to the good, and it's from a set piece. Brighton will be so disappointed to have been given a foothold not six minutes ago to have then seen it thrown away. The corner came in. It was cleared at the first time of asking, but a bit of a lazy leg from Aaron Moy. Didn't get it any further clear, and Snodgrass hit it back first time. Wrong-footed Matt Ryan in the Burma, in the Brighton goal, sorry, and it's 3-1 to West Ham. To be fair, we have scored all four. Fair, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, get back to the tennis if we can. Let's have a little listen to Kenin. Sophia, not Sonia, OK? <laughs> so raw was she at seven years old, uh, newly arrived over in the United States, uh, who today was crowned the champion of the Australian Open. Uh, the 21-year-old was a child prodigy, as you heard there, has gone on to fulfil her dreams. Uh, these were a few of her thoughts after the game. Um, I've always had that. I knew I needed to um, establish myself to get to where I am. And, you know, all the confidence has come with all the matches that I've had, the success I've had in 2019. WTA Most Improved Player of the Year, so <laughs> um, FYI. Um, but, yeah, um, yeah, I've always had that. Uh, match play has really helped me. And, um, all, you know, all the confidence that I'm getting is because of that. And I see that things are happening for me and everything is just falling into place. All of this, honestly, these past two weeks have been a lot of emotions, a lot of, I mean, you guys could see after the match how much it all meant to me. Um, this is just such an honor. I'm so proud of myself, so proud of my dad, my team, everyone has been around me. Um, we worked all hard, we've been through tough times, but, you know, what? we did it, we fought, and, yeah, I'm just, I'm like on cloud nine right now. <laughs> Uh, she has been see you, by the way. <laughs> she has been confirmed uh, as uh, one of the starters for the Dubai Jiu-Jitsu Free Tennis Championship uh, later on this month uh, into March as well. So good to see that she will be here as well, deserving of that title. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, I think she had a bit of a slow start, yeah. understandably so as well. Of course, you know, kind of first Grand Slam final going up against, you know, uh, you know, a woman who's been there and won it as well. A couple of Grand Slams to Garbini Muguruza's uh, name already and lost that first set by six games to four, but then really kind of settled in that second set. And I also thought at the same time, I was quite disappointed with Muguruza herself. Oh. I feel like her, her focus went certainly towards the end of that second set but you can't take anything away from the 21 year old uh, America uh, American Sophia Kennan there you know it's been a tremendous tournament for her all the way throughout here and kind of got her name onto the champions uh, list for the Grand Slams as well but continuing this kind of theme that we've seen in recent years as well I think in the last 12 Grand Slam finals in the ladies tour we've had eight first-time winners now, so Kennan becoming the eighth of that as well, which kind of says a lot about the, the women's draw at the moment. I know some people tend to complain about this. I quite like it because you go into these Grand Slams and knowing that literally anything can happen and we can get any winner 
So, you know, congratulations to a tremendous performance there down in Melbourne. To the first Grand Slam. Goals flying in. Daniel, let you do this one. There we go. Got a little bit distracted at the end there, so do apologise for that. It's just because Liverpool have doubled their advantage at Anfield. It is the captain, the leader... The best player in the country over the last few weeks, I think, certainly. It's Jordan Henderson who has scored their second goal here. So Liverpool picking the ball up. Alexander-Arnold from right back, playing the ball forward as the ball fell from a long ball from Southampton. Uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain picks the ball up on the left-hand side, charges into the penalty area. Jordan Henderson in there around the penalty spot. In fact, sorry, it's Bobby Firmino who picks the ball up on the out, on the uh, inside of the penalty area, plays it towards Jordan Henderson, right-footed finish uh, past... Uh, MacArthur in the Southampton goal at the cop end. So it's Liverpool 2, Southampton 0. Poor defending that, Danny, as well, I think. Southampton just switching off. It was a bit of a... I mean, I'm loath to say it for Alexander Old. It's such a beautiful array of passing he has from diagonals. But it did look like he just won the ball and kind of wafted it A bit of a forward. hit and hope forward. It, it really forward was. Ball, yeah. And Southampton just turned on their heels. They didn't pay any attention to Henderson, who timed his run really, really smart. I mean, what a, what a wonderful player, Jordan Henderson. Remember, it's 15 million quid when they signed him. Back then, people... People almost laughed at that. And, and he, I remember I had the privilege of, of interviewing Henderson maybe about six months after he'd made that move. And I brought up the fee and he, and he sort of shot me down real quick. So I'm not thinking about it. I don't want to don't dwell on it at all. And he struck me then immediately as a guy who could really go on uh, and deliver, not just from a, from a footballing skills perspective, but from a personal perspective. And he's turned into to an inspirational captain at Liverpool. Absolutely. I mean, I, I interviewed him a few times as well before I made the move out to Dubai. But that happened to be a, quite a, a, a downtime for Liverpool, you know. But he was always a man, even after defeat. I remember kind of talking to him after the 3-0 loss to Real Madrid in the Champions League. And then after Liverpool were knocked out by FC Ball in the Champions League. And he was one of the players who would always come and stop in the mix zone and speak to you despite his obvious disappointment. But he's somebody who's always had that determination in him. Remember, during Brendan Rodgers' days, Rodgers wanted to send him to Fulham yeah. in exchange for Clint Dempsey. Henderson turned that move down himself. That's the only reason yeah. that, that move didn't take place, because he wanted to fight for his place, for his future at Anfield and look what he's done he's lifted yeah. the Champions League a year ago he's gone on he's lifted the Super Cup he's lifted the World Club Cup and he's captain in the side now who are looking to go 22 points clear That's of me. Man City one in action until tomorrow as well and he's just growing and I really do believe honestly that he is the leading contender for the PFA Player of the Year award so far this season he's been tremendous for Liverpool and um, yeah very underrated player but yeah full of determination the leader in a team full of leaders yeah. the deadlock has been uh, broken in Madrid it has indeed and it's that man Karim, Karim Benzema never stopped scoring Benzema another one of those I actually don't think he gets the credit he deserves Benzema he's never never fired up to the top of the list of anyone's best leading man is he really but he just keeps on delivering for Madrid and as he has, he has done with about 55 minutes gone and he's put them ahead it's Mendy with the assist Madrid seemingly the better side for much of this game Atletico Madrid really struggling Thomas Lamar has come on for Alvaro Morata to try and change things up for the visitors but at the Bernabeu it's Real Madrid 1 Atletico 0 just a quick uh, um, add on before we uh, take a short break Obviously, we've seen uh, the women's final concluded a little earlier on today. Uh, just to add on to that as well, I know she was born in, in Russia, but she plays under the American flag. And interesting, isn't it, when we're going into these tournaments, talking a lot about Serena Williams and obviously the achievements she's had. Also talk a lot about the uh, youngster Coco Goff and what she's going to achieve. And yet someone like uh, Sofia Kanen just going under the radar a little bit uh, and continuing to fly the flag for the States who have had 
Well, they haven't had the best of form when it comes to international tennis players and international tennis stars in recent years, other than the Williams sisters. Absolutely. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a big one, isn't it? I mean, how many years has it been since we've seen a male yeah. uh, player from uh, the United States triumph on, on, on the, the tour? I think that will time, yeah. that will be it, won't it? You know, I'm struggling to think of anyone else uh, since then. Obviously, obviously, the Williams sisters have dominated up until a couple of years ago. And uh, you know the like we mentioned earlier on, the grandstands have been pretty much shared out amongst the amongst the ladies. But we got you know, I think it's important to have young stars coming through. And even you know, I mean, Gabby and Yumugaruta is only 26 years old, which you know for some reason I, I thought she was old. I thought she was closer to 30. <laughs> but then it seems to be the way that things go, particularly in the ladies' game, where the younger stars come through. Apart from you know, putting aside the Williams sisters, who kind of you know are the exceptions to the rule, so to speak. When you get kind of the young players who come through, get the victory. But then a lot of them struggle to maintain that and to go on to, to win multiple Grand Slams. Maybe she could finally be the one to do, do so. It's interesting, isn't it? There's only been one defending of their top, or sorry, defend, uh, repeat back-to-back Grand Slams, I should say, uh, winners in the last four, five, six years, and that's Naomi Osaka. Yeah. But looking at that number, Danny mentioned it earlier, it's eight of the last 12 women have been uh, in Grand Slam titles are winning their first title. Only two of those have gone on to make another final yeah. subsequently, and that was Sloane Stevens and then Osaka, of course, who, who won back-to-back. But it's such an interesting contrast to a men's game that is still consistently dominated by the big three. It's amazing. Absolutely. absolutely. I'm speaking of the, of the men's game, though. Cannot wait for this final yeah. uh, tomorrow. I think it's a really fascinating uh, matchup. Djokovic leads the head-to-head against Dominic Team by 6-4, to four, but Djokovic did win the first five of their meetings, so teams have the better of it uh, the last few times. He won the last meeting between the pair uh, by two sets to one at the ATP finals. My only thing is though that most of his victories have been in three sets whereas Djokovic over five is a different animal especially in Australia where he's going for what is it an eighth Australian Open title Uh, so but certainly I think team though has been in the form of his life no doubt about that obviously you know the kind of victory that he had in the quarterfinal against Rafael Nadal even the victory in the the semi-final against Andrei Zverev who's been in tremendous form himself as well you know he's, he's going into it full of confidence no doubt but Djokovic though has just been absolutely sublime I think he's played six less hours on yeah. court than his Austrian opponents but we but we need somebody else to win a men's <laughs> grand slam I know it sounds silly I can't decide what, what side of the argument I fall on do I fall on the idea that sport is supposed to be ultra competitive all the time and having new winners and new people coming through or do I fall on the side of let's just admire the greatness that we're treated to all the time but for team I think it's so so important this is his third grand slam final if he loses it again and lose it convincingly, of course, he won 6-1, 6-1, those third and fourth sets against Nadal at the French last year. They could get to the point where it's a bit of a mental block. We saw how much Murray struggled, of course, losing his first four, I think, Grand Slam yeah, finals. Five, even, yeah, even more. And it becomes yeah. a point where it is a mental block. So he either needs to... I mean, winning is a big, big ask against a player as formidable as Djokovic, but at least a better showing than he has done in the last two, but it'll be interesting. Did you just mention that Nadal's in the region this week, is that right? He is indeed, yeah. It's uh, on Wednesday, um, for for any of our Kuwaiti listeners or any of our keen tennis fans, what's happening is that Rafa Nadal is actually opening his... It's only his second academy that is being directly lifted from the original in Mallorca. It's coming to the Middle East. It's a phenomenal complex. I've I've had the fortune to, to go over there a couple of times, actually, and I'll be there on Wednesday again. It's an enormous development, part of Tamdeen Group, essentially the 
the EMAR equivalent. You see the name of everything in Q8 City, and they've partnered with the Rafa Nadal Academy, and they're bringing people that have coached at the academy in Mallorca. It's really, really interesting what they're doing there. There's a Q80 Tennis Foundation, uh, Federation, sorry, who really take the sport seriously over there. We heard from Robbie earlier talking about how important golf is to the Saudis. Tennis is exactly the same in Q8. It's really, really interesting. So Nadal is in town on Wednesday. He's playing against his, uh, his good friend David Ferrer in an inauguration match. As I understand it, memberships for this academy are going to be active from April. I think it's a huge, huge pull, not only for the Middle East, but a slightly wider region who don't have anything of that kind in the space. Um, quick little add-on as well, because I think Australian Open has delivered after the sort of the, the, the concerns at the beginning because of conditions of the bushfires, then of course that torrential rain at the beginning yeah. of the first week. Uh, it's, and we've had a storyline, Serena Williams not performing, Maria Sharapova reduced to tears in the first round as well. Uh, Coco, Coco Goff going out uh, with the, uh, but, but obviously the, the battle between her and Naomi Osaka, her getting her own back and then going out as well. <laughs> but one uh, player I just want to sort of focus on for a moment if we can, uh, uh, yet more tears spilt uh, on centre called the Rod Laver Arena down there during the week. Uh, Caroline Wozniacki, been a great servant to the game of women's tennis, bowing out uh, down in Australia, a tournament that she loves so dearly, um, bowing out with a few tears and a few farewells. Guys, give us players when we're out here. The support we feel is really amazing. And, um, you know, the support I've had. <laughs> um, the support I've had from my family and especially my dad, who's coached me all these years. <laughs> um, you know. I usually don't cry, so sorry. <laughs> um, but, you know, those are the special memories that I'll always cherish and just the journey to get where, where we got all together. It's, it's been really amazing. It's been a great ride. And, you know, I'm, I really am happy. I really am, but, uh, you know. <laughs> she was uh, a great uh, fighter. She's a great fighter. She always fights. She was a huge fighter, big heart. You know, for the people, I think they just love to watch her tennis because uh, she never looked upset uh, on the court. She's an incredible competitor. She's fought for every single point. You know that you can guarantee uh, that she'll put forward her best effort, and that's all you can ask of a competitor. She was annoying because she got every ball back, like literally every ball back. And she had that backhand that was like, yeah, it was not fun. Misu was one of the toughest players to play because she doesn't miss a ball. Obviously, number one in the world, has won a lot of tournaments, topped it off with a Grand Slam in Australia. She's finally broken through to win her first major title. She was playing for her first uh, Grand Slam, so um, in a way I was happy that uh, she could win. And uh, what I liked about her, the whole uh, her career, was the consistency. Definitely her career is something that you want to, to have when you, when you finish it. She's always got a smile on her face, happy to have a chat. Her smile, no? She loves candy. We've had very long conversations about candy. We talk a lot about sugar. I have a lot of really like nice memories with her. I've just been a really genuinely nice person. But I think everybody's going to miss her. It's going to be really hard for me to not have Caroline on the tour. She's literally one of my best friends. I'm really happy for her, and I know that she's doing what she wants to do, and that's what it's all about.
Okay, let's move away from the tennis back to the football goals, Danny. Yes, and Liverpool taking a three-goal lead now against Southampton at Anfield. Mohamed Salah is the man to get the third goal for the league leaders. Played through by Jordan Henderson. He clips the ball round the corner from the right-hand side, does the Liverpool captain, and the Egyptian star latches onto it and just dinks the ball, ball over the keeper. It's a really wonderful ball, ball. just ball. eluded uh, one of the Southampton centre-backs who made a stretching effort to try and cut the ball out. Couldn't quite do it. It was a pinpoint pass from Henderson to Salah just one little touch stinking the ball over the keeper into the back of the net at the cop end to Liverpool 3 Southampton 0 uh, we've also had another goal where else do we have a goal uh, Palace uh, is it bit, where's it gone who wants to do that one do you want to do that one for June uh, I've got it Go I can't on, you give you any masses of insight but what I can give you a little bit of extra insight is that there's also been a red card so Palace they trail at home to Sheffield United the goal actually came it was an own goal by Guita, the goalkeeper. So I look, look with bated breath to see what happened there. I think Danny's going to be yeah, able to update us. Yeah, I've just seen us. a clip of it now, actually, funny enough. It's an awful error for him from a man who's actually normally really reliable. The corner's been swept in and he's collected the ball, but they kind of backpedaled over his line and ended up dropping it oh. into the net. So this corner's been swung in by, I think it's Oliver Norwood, and it really is. It's an absolute howler from the keeper there uh, to give the visitors the lead at Selhurst Park and really unlike him I'd have to say yeah and then in addition to, to make matters worse for Palace is that Joel Ward has been sent off so they are very much up against it Palace I mean they don't have to look nervously over their shoulder of course they're having a wonderful season again under the, the ageless Roy Hodgson but I don't think they're going to be getting any points tonight let's take a short break when we come back uh, we will uh, well we'll have about another 15 minutes left in the Premier League but we'll bring you full times from the Bundesliga and elsewhere plus of course we're looking ahead to the second game in the Six Nations this evening Italy taking on Ireland uh, we'll have all the build up for that one plus we look back at uh, an emotional morning for the LA Lakers their first game post uh, Kobe Bryant uh, sad passing uh, and a look ahead to the Super Bowl there's um, a lot going on Unbelievable goal! This is The Grill live from Barasti where the game is always on We come out with news of a goal uh, for you uh, and that goal has come out It has indeed, Tom, and I think we often, urge oh. you, we often urge you to go and check out goals because they're normally brilliant, but I urge anybody to go and check out the goal that has put Brighton right back in this and made it 3-2. It's, it's nothing short of calamitous. A goal kick goes out. It's then played back across the air, uh, their own box by West Ham. I think it's Ogbonna that plays it across, and it's just sort of stuck in no man's land, but plenty of time for either Issa Diop or the goalkeeper Fabianski. Oh, let's interrupt myself. And let's Shut hear up, it. <laughs> this loud. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Goodness gracious me. They're checking it on VAR though. It does look as though the referee is having a little look at the uh, this now. He's in discussion with his assistants in the video room to see whether Murphy has, uh, whether Murray, sorry, uh, Glenn Murray has what is it with Glenn equalized. Murray always scores against West Ham of all the players <laughs> in the world. Tom, Tom. Everybody always scores against West Ham, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a hint of handball, perhaps. This is what they're looking at. The ball bounces up. It's played across from the right-hand side. Bounces across the six-yard box. That's handball. Thank you very it's much. a handball there. It's I think not. with the new rules, it's it does not. hit... It's hitting him on the stomach. You know what, it hits us on the stomach and then goes to his hand. But don't the new rules say any touch of the hand, which gives an advantage to the attacker, has to then be disallowed? 
I think this one's going to be ruled out. Mate, he's flapped it down with his hand. Move on. <laughs> While we wait for the final check, let me just surmise quickly what happened for that second goal. It was Issa Diop and the goalkeeper Fabianski. Neither of them wanted to go and claim what was a dolly ball about 12 yards out. As it was, Diop then stooped low. He should have hooked it clear, to be honest. Played a header far too short, and I didn't see who it was that snuck in, but it really was calamitous defending. That was 3-2 about six minutes ago, and we could be seeing it 3-0. This is a long, We could take long, about six minutes for this really one, to be honest. Be. <laughs> I'm trying to think of more stuff to say while we just well, stare you know what? blankly you know what's at the interesting? I mean, obviously this VAR, we've had a lot of controversy around this at the moment. We're seeing just one angle being shown at the moment, which is obviously the angle that the VAR assistants are actually looking at. But it's a very inconclusive angle. Surely yeah. at the London Stadium, they've got different camera angles to look at to give you a more definitive decision on this one as we see it. Referee making his mind up here. He's it's a goal. It. It's 3 all. Goodness gracious me. I think that's I think that's absolutely right. Listen, like Danny was saying there, we don't have the best view there, and the assistant doesn't have the best view up there in the TV room. But I do think, and it comes back to it, we don't need anybody else's opinion on VAR, of course, but clear and obvious. If you need to take two and a half minutes and multiple camera angles to find out if it's brushed a hand, it's not clear and obvious. Just give the goal. And rightly so, I think they have done. It's 3-3 can tell you that David Moyes will see that as a handball. <laughs> <laughs> and, and presumably you see it as a handball as well. I'm not even looking at it, so it doesn't really matter. i got my back turned. Danny Rose has just come on for Newcastle. All's well in the world. Uh, right, let's have a look at some of the other scores on the doors. Let's leave the Premier League for a while. Uh, let's turn our attention to uh, elsewhere. Uh, let's go to the Bundesliga. Danny Norton can give us some full times down there. Well, it's been a good day for Borussia Dortmund. 5-0 victory for them over Union Berlin at the Westfalen Stadion. Uh, Jadon Sancho fired them into the lead in the 13th minute uh, Haaland getting on the score sheet once again he also got a second later on as well so to make it seven goals in just three games for the teenager what a remarkable start uh, to his career in Germany it's been for him Marco Royce and Alex Witzel all, also on the score sheet uh, for them quick round up of the other, other uh, games over in Germany Bayern Munich beating Mainz by three goals to one Hoffenheim defeating Bayer Leverkusen by two goals to one it ended all square between Fortuna Dusseldorf and Antrecht Frankfurt one all it was there and, and Werder Bremen going down by two goals to one at Augsburg Hibbs and St Mirren still locked at two apiece at the moment 11 minutes left in that one St Johnson have taken the lead against Hearts it's 3-2 down at St Johnson at the moment uh, Rangers taking on Aberdeen uh, no goals in that one Livingston have taken a one goal lead against Motherwell with eight left on the clock and Kilmarnock look like they've got their hands in the points against Ross County 3-1 the score there Championship what last 10 minutes into? No we've got a lot more than that Tom we're looking at about hang on a second let me just hit refresh before I give something completely incorrect you're right we've got about 13 14 minutes left in some of the games and the big news is Tom Leeds United trail at home no less they trail to Wigan Athletic 22nd placed Wigan Athletic they lead 1-0 through a Pablo Hernandez own goal on the hour mark elsewhere West Brom they would take if the results stay as they are they would go back to the summit of the championship they lead 2-0 Fulham as I mentioned earlier after that gung-ho star they still lead 3-2 fourth place Forest they trail 2-1 also at home just want to see who that is that's against, sorry away at Birmingham City Forest did lead at half time but Birmingham have come back to make it 2-1 it's a fascinating division isn't it the championship Bristol City they're in sixth knocking on automatic promo uh, on the promotion playoff positions they're 1-0 up 
Further down at the bottom of the table, Rock Bottom Luton, they trail 2-0. And just above them, Barnsley, they also trail by two goals to one. Bologna have beaten Brescia by two goals to one in the first of three games in Serie A. Uh, how's that uh, Madrid derby going? Danny Norton. Uh, Real Madrid still leading by that single Karim Benzema goal 2-0 against their city rivals, Atletico. But it's been all Madrid, the hosts at the Santiago Bernabeu. They've absolutely dominated play, nearly 70% possession. They've had 15 shots to Atletico's four. I can't really see a way back with eight minutes remaining for Atletico Madrid. Obviously, you can never write off a Diego Simeone team, but they've just been lacking in guile. We've not seen many opportunities for them at all. Madrid at the moment is completely comfortable against their rivals, Atletico. PSG against Montpellier is underway. No goals in that one at the moment, so we'll keep an eye uh, on all of those games for you. Scotland and Ireland have lined up for the national anthems. Chris McCarty's here in his kilt, singing loud and proud, quite right too, uh, watching on as we get ready for the second uh, of our games from the Guinness uh, Six Nations, which gets underway. It's going to be a fascinating game as well to see how both these two teams have come back from their World Cup antics uh, last year. 4001, if you want to have your say, keep your thoughts coming through to us. And let's hear from the Scotland captain now, Stewie Hogg. Uh, absolute privilege for Hoggy to be leading the Blues in this tournament, but what can we expect of them? Yeah, we're looking forward to it. You know, it's great to be here at the Viva and you know, get a feel for the, the pitch and the surroundings. Um, a lot of wind going around, but now the kids are sharp captains run uh, and we feel we're in a good place. Hugely excited. Uh, it's a huge honour to be given this opportunity to lead these these boys, but uh, now they can go out to do my, my, my normal job um, and the rest of us are, are so excited to get going as well. So um, we've had a good couple of weeks prep, uh, all leading into tomorrow. Yeah, look, it's going to be a huge game for us, a huge challenge. You know, Ireland are, are going to be physical, uh, they're going to play with some tempo as well, so uh, it's going to be a tricky tricky one for us, but as I say, we've prepped well, we feel we're in a good place, um, and we'll just have to wait and see how tomorrow goes. Yeah, look, just to, to believe in each other, believe in their individual ability, believe in the team as a collective, um, and make sure we do our job. If we do our job, we'll give ourselves every opportunity of winning, and uh, I'm excited to get going. OK, uh, obviously a very sad week for sports and it will be a weekend that sports uh, venues, stars around the world uh, recognise and honour uh, the name and the life of a certain Kobe Bryant. Um, we'll get back to the LA Lakers, see what they did in just a few moments' time. One man who did his bit earlier on in the week was Nick Kyrgios, uh, uh, who uh, obviously a massive basketball fan in his own right. Uh, he paid his own little homage uh, in a warm-up to uh, one of his games, the Australian Open, earlier this week. Well, Kobe's passing has been felt by the sporting world outside basketball. The Australian Open local favourite and huge NBA fan Nick Kyrgios currently once said all with Rafael Nadal and he took to the court for his game wearing an LA Lakers jersey with Kobe's name and number on it. He was visibly upset entering Rod Laver Arena. Obviously, a lot of focus on the Staples Centre earlier on today, uh, Danny Norton. Yeah. Uh, the Lakers were in action for the first time since the sad news came through. They certainly were, yes. And obviously, as you would expect, paying tribute to their hero uh, before the game as well. So they dimmed the lights there um, in the stadium, in the, in the arena uh, over in Los Angeles. Basically, every single seat had a uh, T-shirt bearing Brian's name and either one of his two numbers that he wore for the Lakers, either number eight or or number 24. They'd have two seats empty uh, for him and for his daughter, Gianna, who was also um, one of those who unfortunately perished in that helicopter crash. Uh, you know, it was, it was um, Kobe, his daughter, and seven others who died. So tribute paid to all nine, but obviously 
focus on Kobe Bryant. They played an amazing kind of highlight video of him as well there. And then a speech was given by the current LA Lakers star, uh, the one and only LeBron James, who was uh, obviously very close to Kobe Bryant and had this to say. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome LeBron James. Before I get started on the, uh, the speech that I have, I want to acknowledge all the lives that was lost Sunday morning. Alyssa Altabelli, John Altabelli, Carrie Altabelli, Peyton Chester, Sarah Chester, Christina Mauser, Ara Zabanya, Gianna Bryant, and Kobe Bryant. Now, I got something um, written down. You know, they asked me to kind of stay on course or whatever the case may be, but Laker Nation, man, I would be selling y'all short if I read off this, so I'm going to go straight from the heart. Uh, the, the first thing that comes to mind, man, is all about family. And as I look around this arena, we're all grieving, we're all hurt, we're all heartbroken. But when we're going through things like this, the best thing you can do is lean on the shoulders of your family. And from Sunday morning all the way to this point, now I heard about Laker Nation before I got here last year about how much of a family it is. And that is absolutely what I've seen this whole week, not only from the players, not only from the coaching staff, not only from the organization, but from everybody. Everybody that's here, this is really, truly, truly a family. And I know Kobe and Gianna and Vanessa and everybody, thank you guys from the bottom of their heart, as Kobe said. Now, I know at some point we will have a memorial for Kobe. But I look at this, I look at this as a celebration tonight. This is, this is a celebration of the 20 years of the blood, the sweat, the tears, the broken down body, the getting up, the sitting down, the everything, the countless hours, the determination to be as great as he could be. Tonight, we celebrate the kid that came here at 18 years of age. Retired at 38 and became probably the best dad that we've seen over the last three years, man. Tonight is a celebration. Before we get to play, love y'all, man. Kobe is a brother to me. And from the time I was in high school, to watching him afar, to getting this league at 18, watching him up close. All the battles that we had throughout my career, the one thing that we always shared is that determination to just want to win and just want to be great. And the fact that I'm here now means so much to me. I want to continue along with my teammates 
to continue his legacy not only for this year, but as long as we can play the game of basketball that we love because that's what Kobe Bryant will want. So in the words of Kobe Bryant, Mamba out, but in the words of us, not forgotten. Live on, brother. Live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Small matter of a Super Bowl tomorrow. Methinks that there might be yet more homages to a certain Kobe Bryant uh, in uh, other sporting fields. What is that Super Bowl tomorrow? It, I was trying to work out my Roman numerals earlier today. LV1, whatever that is. 54. 54. 54. Yeah, Super Bowl 54, yeah. OK, Super Bowl 54. Uh, Miami, obviously Miami getting involved for it. Uh, 49ers against the Chiefs. Are we, are, we, are we up for this one? Are we excited? You know what, actually... Uh, I've not caught all that much NFL action so far this season. Yeah. Only only caught a few games here and there. Watched the highlights as well, kind of on a on a weekly basis, and that's about it. But reading up about it, I'm actually really looking forward to this yeah. now because you got two very offensive-minded teams, yeah. two teams with great offense, a lot of speed going up at it. And I think it's one of those. It's an interesting one. It's the first one, and I think it's five years um, to not contain the New England Patriots. Yeah. And I think we could be seeing the start of maybe a new era uh, in the NFL. Obviously, there's question marks over Tom Brady, over Bill Belichick, over the New England Patriots and their dynasty on the whole here. I think we've got a a matchup here, which is a real 50-50. You're kind of reading the previews, listening to some uh, special preview shows. Mm. It's pretty much split down the middle. There's not much to separate the two teams. So I'm actually now really yeah. looking forward to it. It's good to see them back in. You know, two teams that haven't been in the, uh, in, 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 haven't made it through to Super Bowl for for quite some time. It's good to see two great franchises, two very well supported franchises, making it through. And it promises to be a spectacle in Miami tomorrow. Expecting Kobe homages as well at some point. Uh, a man who did so much. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think the thing with Kobe is you can tell the impact of a man by how many other people who would be considered greats within their own sport that were so quick to share images in their own homages to him as a man. And, and just looking at him, I, I want to talk a couple of things about Kobe Bryant. I'm no, no basketball aficionado by any stretch of the imagination, although with my six foot four gangly frame, I sure. probably should care a, a little bit more. But this is a guy, there's only one man in the history of the NBA who has spent longer with one single club. That was Dirk Nowitzki, who spent 21 seasons with the Dallas Mavericks. Kobe won five NBA championships. He won four all star MVP awards, two gold medals. His regular points across 20 seasons makes him the fourth highest scorer of all time. He's the fourth highest scorer of all time in playoff finals, so he always rose to the occasion. He's also responsible for the record number of points in a game, scoring 81 points in a game. That's the basketball. Also, I want to say anybody who who doesn't care about basketball particularly, but just wants to learn from somebody interesting and passionate about life not just the sport they are in Kobe wasn't one of these traditional sports stars that you would see in America who came from a tough upbringing his dad played in the NBA he was from the suburbs of Philadelphia I urge anybody who is interested in how you become great to go and listen to the Hall of Fame School of Greatness podcast with Kobe Bryant it's absolutely fascinating interview with a guy who in his first season playing schoolboy basketball scored no points and you know what he did that year 
He said every single summer, every day in summer, practicing two hours every single day. He started with three throws, then he started with layups, and he just honed his skills because he knew that the kids in those teams were thinking, who's this kid from the suburbs? I yeah. think they can come to my court and make a big difference. And he developed into such not only a wonderful basketball player, but an incredible man. He, of course, won an Oscar for a short film three years ago called Dear Basketball, something else I urge everybody to go and check. He was passionate about storytelling, about curiosity, about teaching people how to be good people and good sports stars. Genuinely, and, and like I said at the beginning, I'm no basketball aficionado, but genuinely one of the most impressive people I've ever seen interviewed in the sporting world. We will get some full-time scores for you in just a few moments' time. Just want to uh, quickly bring you some team news. Obviously, got United against Wolves. That's one. That one's kicking off half past nine. It's on the big screen down here uh, at Barasti. So get yourself down to watch that one. Danny, do you want to do the Man U team for us? Uh, if, you, if you're going to make a Liverpool fan, do the Man United <laughs> team certainly. But it seems to be our theme for the day. Uh, big news is that Bruno Fernandes, United's new forty-seven million pounds. That's what about two hundred thirty million dirhams midfield maestro. He's handed his debut. He's one of four changes to the team that won at the Etihad Stadium in the League Cup semi-final on Wednesday night. That 1-0 victory, not quite enough to get into the League Cup final. However, uh, in come Daniel James, Juan Mata and Andres Pereira as well. Out go, and out go Brandon Williams, Jesse Lingard, Mason Greenwood and the suspended Nemanja Matic. So the Manchester United team, De Gea in goal, Wan-Bissaka, Lindelof, Maguire and Shaw as the back four. Fernandez comes in alongside Fred in central midfield. Field. You got James and Matter offering the creativity and pace, and well, pace from James, creativity from Matter, should I say? Pereira in there as well with Martial up front. In- interesting that to see Fernandez listed in the lineups that we're looking at as playing a little bit deeper yeah. alongside Fred. I think that's what, what I presume, but it's it's a curious one because he's certainly he's effective going forward, certainly more so than any one of those players, especially one matter who's not really the player that he was when he joined Manchester United and Andreas Pereira, I'm sorry uh, if you're listening Andreas, which I'm sure you're not. not in the dressing room before the game, you're not Manchester United standard, so the fact that Fernandez is making way and sitting a little bit deeper to allow for someone like Pereira to come in, I find a bit curious. What about Portugal in disguise? How do they line up? Portugal in disguise? Well they line up as you might expect. Wolves, seventh in the Premier League at the moment, only one win in their last five though, they I worry. I don't worry about Wolves, of course, but I do wonder how they're going to keep on progressing. Especially on the side of a mountain. <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> if you haven't got enough protection. <laughs> Sorry, it's that time of night. I'm just giving up now. Goodness me. Uh, apologies to everyone who was interested to know what the team news was going to be. Um, sorry, we'll start. Rui Patricio, that one of those Portuguese contingent, he starts in goal as he tends to do all of the time. Connor Cody, Willie Bowley and Roman Sace, they're the back three. Johnny Otto and Mac Doherty, they play as the wing-backs. You've got a base of midfield of Ruben Neves and Yao Moutinho, as you always do. And then a front three of Diogo Jota, Raul Jimenez and Adama Traore. Leicester 2, Chelsea 2, early kickoff there. It's full-time. Bournemouth have beaten Aston Villa by two goals to one. Sheffield United have taken the points uh, away at Crystal Palace. Liverpool have uh, put Southampton to the sword and taken all the points yet again. Danny, though, is watching a couple of the late finishers. Uh, what's happening at Watford? Well, I can tell you that Everton have got what looks to be a last-minute winner. 2-0 down they were, and it looks like they're going to take a 3-2 victory. Theo Walcott pouncing in the 90th minute. Watford were pushing forward for the winner, but they conceded in 
instead. Richarlison leads a quick counter-attack, squaring for Moise Keane, the substitute who either misses a shot or plays the most brilliant of balls into the path <laughs> of Theo Walcott and the forward hammered home. What a turnaround for Carlo Ancelotti's toffees there. It is Watford 2, Everton 3. And incredibly, Danny, I'm just seeing here, checking the yellow card count, Fabian Delph was actually dismissed yeah. 20 minutes from the end of the game. He picked up his first yellow card on the hour mark and 12 minutes later pick up a second and they still managed to bag the win. And I can tell you the full-time whistle has just gone there as well, so a remarkable turnaround from Everton and Watford, well, they're going to be shaking their heads trying to figure out what on earth's happened there. Full-time at Newcastle as well? Absolutely. Not much to report, really. Goalless. Goalless. There we go. Just no, Danny the, Rose. The, 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 most exciting thing <laughs> I, the most exciting thing I saw there was Todd Campwell, incredibly fortunate to stay on the field. He picked up a yellow card early in the first half and then midway through the second, to my money, dived in search of a penalty that wasn't given. Somehow the referee didn't give him a second yellow card. What's happened in Scotland? I can tell you Hibbs and Samirin have shared the points to a piece there. Kilmarnock have taken the three points against Ross County. 3-1 and finished there. Livingston get the points against Motherwell. 1-0 there. Rangers though, well they have uh, dropped behind. 0-0 uh, with Aberdeen sharing the points there full time. And it's they're still playing at St. Johnson. Hearts uh, are back on track. They're back on level pegging. 95th minute being played there. St. Johnson against Hearts. It's three apiece. Anything jumping off the page for the championship? Uh, our man Matt Fortune has been able yeah, to look at those. absolutely, Tom. And the big losers once again for the third time in about five weeks is Leeds United. They have lost, I believe. Yes, they have. The final whistle's just gone. They have lost 1-0 at home to Wigan Athletic. So Wigan doing their survival chances, the world of good, by going to Elland Road and bagging a shock 1-0 win. Elsewhere, Fulham, they are just waiting for the final whistle. Nervous finish for them. They're 3-2 up. Charlton have won. They're in the eighth minute of stoppage time against Barnsley. But everywhere else, the big winners of the day, West Bromwich Albion. They beat Luton Town 2-0 to go back to the top of the table. Big winners in Germany earlier were Bayern Munich away at Mainz and Borussia Dortmund. Five goals for them against Union Berlin in the Bundesliga. It did finish 1-0 in the Madrid derby. Real Madrid with that Karim Benzema goal uh, for Real against Atletico. You've got Mallorca against Valladolid. Valencia against Celta Vigo still to come there. They are playing in France, Danny. They certainly are. I can tell you Paris Saint-Germain have already taken a 1-0 lead against Montpellier. They are, of course, at home. The French champions Pablo Sarabia scoring in the eighth minute and things even harder for the visitors as well. Dimitri Bertrude has been shown a straight red card for Montpellier. So not going to be an easy evening for them in Paris. Man United against Wolves is on the big screen down here uh, at uh, Barasti. Do get yourself down here. Scotland uh, taking uh, what looks to be, no, uh, Ireland have just broken back, so it's all square. The Scotland against Ireland test match in the uh, Six Nations. Uh, that's also on the screens down here at Barasti. Uh, did I mention West Ham? No, I didn't, with good reason as well. Uh, West Ham Brighton, 3-3 <laughs> finish down there. Listen, fellas, thank you very much indeed. Uh, enjoy your sport. Wolves against Man United tonight. You've got the Super Bowl tomorrow. You've got the Australian men's final tomorrow. There's no shortage there, Danny. Thanks very much indeed for being on board. Pleasure as ever, Tom. Uh, and to you, Mr. Uh, Fortune, thank you very much indeed for being... Enjoy your wings, mate. <laughs> Thanks very much. Do you want the irony? <laughs> there is an irony around wings, is there? I'm vegetarian. Hey! <laughs> 
Good on you, lad. Uh, thanks very much indeed to all of you for your thoughts and feedback. Uh, do join us next week between the hours of six and nine. Until then, get yourself down to Barasti. Be part of the brand new fan zone, the Premier League fan zone in front of the big screen where you can be a king with uh, one of the great sponsors of football worldwide. Come on down here, win prizes. In fact, tomorrow's game is the feature game in the fan zone. If you come down to watch the big game tomorrow, you could be winning prizes in the Barasti fan zone. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.